This is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the podcast where we talk about uh, topics in uh, miniature gaming for uh, whatever we roll on uh, the dice. So, uh, let's get to it. What's the first topic, Brandon? All right. How about I go for the best one I've got, but maybe not the best thing to have happen. So when you use your hobby tools, some of them last forever and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. What's like the most common way you end up destroying, like most common destruction that happens to your hobby tools? The most common way I destroy my hobby tools? Yes. All right. All right, four minutes. Oof. Um, oh, wow. The most common way is I'm lazy, and so I don't set up my space well. So I have to be really careful uh, uh, when I'm actually using my hobby tools like glue and uh, and, and knives. And, and because of that, um, I'm basically setting myself up for failure. So to, to destroy everything around you. Yes. So I tools. consider my table also part of my hobby area. And uh, also, especially like with knives, right? Often I will break the knife because I'm trying to be lazy and being like, I don't want to bring up my cutting board or a cutting surface to be able to cut it neatly and nicely. I don't use my, uh, you know, clippers when, when, when I have to cut a piece of metal. So I'm just being lazy and I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll just cut it very, very tight, closely, uh, uh, very carefully up in the middle of the air. Mm-hmm. applying the exact pressure and the right thing when I literally if I just set up a, a cutting space and brought out the right tools it would be very simple so the the, the number one also tool that I uh, I end up breaking is my fingers because I'm mm-hmm. lazy and I stab them or glue them together or something like that okay so everything yeah the, the tools around your your sharp object yeah. tools and I feel like it. oftentimes it'll it would just have been faster if I had actually stopped being lazy and just you know set the thing up spend the one or two minutes to bring out the the board and all that kind of stuff so i can do things more neatly or get through so how about you i think the moral of that is just keep your hobby space set up permanently don't don't have a temporary (laughs) hobby space (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i hope that you have enough space for that it's a good takeaway i think my most common thing is just stirring brushes I want to go to clean in the water. I don't use like a soft, like plastic cup or anything. I use a jar. If I'm not looking, I just jam the front of the brush right down into the edge of the glass jar and just completely destroy the brush. I'm like, oh, there goes the brush. Wait, so, in, in between the edge? Like the rim. You the rim. miss the jar? No, I hit the rim of the jar with the tip of the brush. So you literally miss the brush going into the giant hole in your jar? Well, I do two brush blending, so I have two brushes. Oh, so I've okay. Doubled the chance of this happening compared okay. to normal painters. Maybe you should get like a, a basin instead, so that the hole in the middle of your thing is small enough. Of course, probably you're going to try and minimize the uh, movement into the middle of the basin, so you still won't miss it and hit the edge, even if it's a big basin. So that's yeah, fair. I'll just keep pushing it further and further away. <laughs> but then again, who knows what will happen as a result of that. So yes, that, that destroys brushes more than painting with them. Most people just like get paint into their brush, but I... Really? 
and murder oh, them actually, that way. That's, a, that's another thing. Sometimes I'm also lazy and I'm like, oh, I don't want to wash up my brush. If I wash up my brush, then I have to wipe it. So mm-hmm. then like I've tried to, you know, constantly use it and, and, and uh, the paint without washing it out. And then, uh, and because I have a wet palette, the paint stays wet. So sometimes I can get it. And if I'm using the same color, right? Sometimes I just keep on dipping it into the, the wet palette. And that sometimes does let the, the paint creep up dangerously close, right? Over time, as you keep on dipping it to, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the ferrule or something? Something like that. Whenever I do techniques like that, I just make sure I use like brushes that if I destroy it, I don't, I don't care. If the whole technique's gonna involve soaking the whole brush, I'll just be like, this brush is sacrificial. So how long, no, not, not, it's not really soaking it. It's just like constantly dipping it, right? Although sometimes it is. Dipping it really deep into it. If you never wash out your brush, it just will naturally kind of slowly start getting, yeah, working its way up, right? So um, I don't know. Maybe it's also because I'm just, oh, again, it's just laziness. But uh, you, you you don't have that? Or, or I can see it's a question. How often do you wash out your brush? Um, Super wet, that kind of stuff. I usually let it go a little dry, but I often don't soak. If I'm doing like detailed painting work, I just don't put the brush that far into the paint. What I mean is like, like I know a lot like, of people like really yeah. get a lot of paint in their brush, but I usually my technique involves very little paint being on the brush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Yeah, I, I actually find yeah. the more paint. But. Yeah, and it also obviously matters how how big your brush is. Like I find like with a larger brush, you have like you can allow it to seep a little more because the, 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 the thing's longer. Um, so, do you know, do, can you estimate a rough time before you are you're taking your brush, even if you're using the same color and washing it out in your your water jug? How often you're going to it? No, because it varies so much depending on the technique. Like it depends on how, if you're doing layering, the paint will be really wet. So you can keep going for a long time. But if you're doing edging and black lining, you got to go back more often. So it's all, it all depends on the technique. Anyhow, that's not about destroying tools. Do you have, that was four minutes on that one? Uh, You got one you want to bring up? Sure. Okay. So recently the um, lockdown in, uh, due to COVID has uh, been relaxed. And so we've been uh, playing, but you know, it's still, you know, the, the disease is still out there. So we've been playing outside. So wh- what are your thoughts on uh, playing outside just in general? We've, we've done it a couple times now. Yeah, let's see the number. Two minutes. Just, yeah, that's good. Short and sweet. All right. The sun is your enemy. That, that is what it comes down to. I mean, the wind, if you play in the right location, you can overcome, I guess, the sun to some extent, but often the sun's just, you begin overheating quite rapidly if you're right yeah, in the sun. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was very interesting, like, and, and again, obviously this matters on how warm it is. Like in the fall, probably the sun is your friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you can play, right? Um, but like, recently, it, it hasn't been that windy, right? And at the same time, when you're playing miniature games, most of your stuff is, is relatively heavy. So it's generally, unless there's like a lot of wind, it's not going to get blown over. So I found it was actually really, really nice when you're in the shade. Like playing in the shade during summer is almost like even 
better than well it's not just even almost i feel like it's even more more fun than playing inside because like who doesn't like being outside right it's just nice you have that like it's just a, a nice it's just it's nice to be outside yeah. right you feel like the, the the air like uh the the circulation and everything and maybe you hear birds chirping and you, you, you get to at least have the indirect sun around it's, i found it really really um enjoyable um, fresh air compared to the game store basements yeah absolutely yes, exactly right and the amount of light is amazing you can like see all of your paint jobs everything is super bright almost too bright <laughs> well, it, it, actually, it actually looks like they look on my painting table it's crazy yeah uh so i really really uh liked it but i also agreed when i was in the shade so we ended up playing what in the middle of in, in the early afternoon and because yeah. of you know we're in, in in summer um it was still too uh it was too warm in the sun at that time, but yeah, once, you, but it, yeah, once the sun kind of like, once the night got a little bit later, it was like, it was amazing. I thought. Yeah. But then you have no light. So yes, measure right. games kind of need that to see your, your dice. In yes. your space. Yeah. Your so I, I, yeah. So exactly. So yeah. Play in the shade. It's amazing. I'm actually really looking forward to doing more of that. And like, I have so a, a, a patio I'm going to set up a, a, a sun umbrella. Mm -hmm. on my patio and i think it'll be great yeah that'll take care of most of the main issues because getting the right weather conditions is actually tough like it's either too sunny it might be too cold might be too yeah. windy it's hard to get the conditions right but when yeah. it is it's nice and well what, one of the good things is like on my uh uh on my uh, i have I, uh, on my balcony basically it, it's it's big enough to play games and it has like a ledge or a roof sorry so that you can actually play if it's like light rain as long as the wind is not you know uh shooting the rain over over into you so so i i don't know i'm really looking forward to more of it all right that's two minutes what is the new topic all right do you want to go for glue or paint let's do glue you always talk about paint it's true. Okay. The paint is going to be like, what is your favorite type of like off shade of red? No, no, it's gonna be brown, give me, give me a glue that, thing. That's fine. Sorry. All right. Yeah. All right. So for your go-to, what's your go-to super glue? Go-to super glue. All right. One minute. Oh, this is good. This, this, um, so we did so, two on the so, lot. Okay. Yep. Yep. So uh, my go-to super glue, the one that I in general like the most is actually the privateer press super glue. I don't know what their formula is, but I find it has the right uh, consistency of, of like um, general runniness and drying time. And I've always found it really easy to, to use, uh, but it's privateer press stuff. So it's kind of hard to, to get. And, and I think it might not be in production anymore. So I've been using just the popular uh, purple. It's got a purple label on it. Yeah. Okay, you've walked away from the table. Insecure. So that's obviously insecure yes. armor, armor, whatever. It's the purple one. It's the gap filling medium, five to ten second glue. That's my new new use. So it's you? fairly it's fairly liquid, though, is it not? 
Because you've got, there's the, I would categorize the super glues into like really liquid ones and the more gel ones. And often the liquid ones will be a little better at bonding plastic because they'll kind of melt it a bit. Yeah. Um, no, not really. It doesn't really melt the plastic. No, okay. no that, you're thinking about the other type of glue, the plastic glue. It doesn't really melt the plastic. Uh, this, it's called Arms Keeper, apparently. Insta-Cure, purple one, gap-filling medium, five to ten seconds. Uh, the specific, that specific one, I think it's, it's pretty good. And, and the good thing about it is it dries fast. Yeah, okay. Because for me, because you use so many metal models, uh-huh. which... Often I like being able to fill the gaps more because it's hard to like file them down and everything else. And I don't like doing as much mm-hmm. gap filling afterwards. I prefer to use a gel super glue so that it naturally fills the gaps. And if things aren't perfect, it doesn't run doing, either, which is doesn't run. And if you're doing conversions, like you usually don't get the, mer- the merging of the two pieces perfect when you do conversions. So I prefer to use like the LePage gel stuff that comes in an applicator as opposed to little, little bottles sort of a triangular shaped thing with two squeezes. Oh, it's, it's the gray big. and blue one. Yes, the gray and blue one. Ah. Stores yeah. Or like Walmart or something like that. Yeah. I prefer to use that. It does take longer, I find, to set than the glues uh-huh. you're talking about. But just because of the gap. You can also filling. use more of it as well because it doesn't run. Yes, that as well. So you can fill gaps with it by putting a giant glove of it. And it sets so slowly you can let it settle. Like you can smear the two parts together and rub, wipe off a bit of glue to fill gaps. But it does take longer to, but I prefer that. No, that's, that's definitely a good one. I was using that for a bit. I don't, I, I just found, um, I don't know why I quit. Partially, I think it was, um, it was kind of expensive. Well, I just went through three bottles on some terrain in the past <laughs> two weeks. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's that topic. Last one. All right, last one. Let's be rolling another one. All right. So, uh, we recently played Code One, um, and now N three is coming out. And four. Uh, yeah. Sorry, N four for Infinity. Uh, both of these are for Infinity, the game, which is, is the kind of the, the the space game that we play the most, um, and we play a lot of it. Um, what is the one thing in code one that you're going to either miss in N4 or that you, you, uh, are hoping that it would, or since we don't know exactly what's going to happen in N4, how about the one thing that you hope stays the same in N4 from code one? All right. I see the number. Three minutes. Three minutes. That should finish us off. So I like, so there's in the mobilized states, which for people who don't play infinity are ways where your guys get like technological attacks on them that makes them stuck in place, mm-hmm. either by kind of gluing them there or hacking them. So that they're power armor. There's not everybody has power armor, but the guys with power armor now can no longer move as well. And I like how they've changed it. So there's, more ways where the troop that's affected can get themselves out of the state. Okay. So and, I didn't, and how do you think it might change in N4 that 
it it won't be in there? Or are you just happy for that new rule in general? Well, I'm just happy with the direction where they made the person able to free themselves. It's difficult, but being able to free yourself mm-hmm. often prevents those one-off weapons that are sometimes fairly rare from just like ending the game on you. You've got a way out of them. How do I think mm-hmm. it could change? Yeah. I think there'll be more ways where those states can be applied because code one obviously has fewer weapons, fewer hacking programs. Mm-hmm. So I can see more ways that those get, the states happen to troops. And do you- And maybe them, you maybe want... them changing some weapons to make them do it. Uh-huh. Which do you think, stuff that, mm-hmm. would, would you be happy with more increased uh, glue and that kind of stuff? Like in, in uh, code one, there's like a small set of, of things, right? But if in N4, there's a lot more of these things that are causing different states, do you think that would be a positive? Mm. More things to keep track of like that? Yeah. I don't think that's actually a positive, but that's... Ah, so that is something that you might miss in code one. Like it's a a change that you like, but yeah, that's kind of a leading question. But I'm just like, oh, well, you know, like... If they do add too many, there's a definitely a way where... Well, I think depending on the army you're facing, some armies will probably apply lots of them, and some armies won't do it at all. Mm-hmm. But in Code 1, you're forced to take more of a mixture of troops, mm-hmm. so that it happens like on an average amount. But once you get to the full game of Infinity, I think that now with more options on the table and more variability between the armies, you're just going to see either a lot or maybe not very much. Demobilization okay, which might which might actually so so the kind of more extremes that are available in N four might yep. make it less you could say less balanced or more tilting or or there's a lot of possible negative ways it can go when you have these extremes that N four will have. Yeah, there's gonna be more rock paper scissors with that mechanic. Mm, okay. Yeah. Anyhow, all right. What did you appreciate from Code One? You're hoping to see or hoping not to see in the full version of N4? Uh, I guess I have to go for the obvious one. Um, there are no link teams. <laughs> yeah, but they've already announced. So, the, they've uh, already announced. But uh, here's the thing. So yes, so this is something that I really, really like about Code 1. I feel like link teams in N3 were very clunky because it, literally it was the rules that was in N2, which is like, uh, so they redid a lot of the rules or, or a lot of the, the way the game plays in, in uh, the third edition of, the, of Infinity, but they kept, for some reason, the link teams in general, the link team rules from N2, and I felt they were clunky from the overall design change that happened in N3. Now, yeah, here's the non, thing. Because for non-list players of Infinity, that the link teams basically, it's a skirmish war game, so usually you move one guy at a time. With link teams, you can now move up to five guys at a time. But then they had other mechanics that would allow you to use like limited command points to move multiple guys at once as well. So there were two mechanics for moving multiple guys at once, but yeah. they didn't function in any of the same, almost any of the same ways. Yeah, and then the old way also totally changed uh, your defensive reactions to uh, to react to when people are attacking you, which uh, if you know anything about Infinity, it's a very, very critical part of the game. And that basically sways the entire direction of how you end up playing against a link team versus uh, the rest of the game, a person in the rest of the game, which I don't like. 
because it just feels like they haven't pasted in a different game into part into infinity basically into the new design overall so i really like the fact that code one didn't have that rule at all uh and like you said right we know that it's going to be there in at least the release for n4 which is uh disappointing to me however they did say that they were uh not putting the link team rules into the main book for N4, which hopefully means that they're trying to redo them and hopefully streamlining them in some way so that, like you said, they're more, they fit more into the rest of the game. They're not this weird outlier where when you're playing, playing against the link team, you have to play entirely differently. Yeah. The entire game is different when you have that thing. So, and, and the rules are clunky. So hopefully it, so, so right now I'm disappointed that, we will have to play with link teams in N4, but I'm hopeful that eventually it'll, it'll come around to be more like code one and the link teams are, are, are not the link teams of second edition. Yeah, they're about moving up bonuses. I hope so. Yeah. All right, so um, that is it for uh, this uh, episode of D6 Minutes. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us, or just get in touch with us at Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye.